Yes, Lord. I have many announcements. I'm not going to make them. Remember, we began tonight at 6.30. Inspiration, celebration, main service begins at 7. The Kelsey Griffin will be preaching at 6.30. <clears throat> Texas Bible College. Children need to be here at 6.15, 6.30 for the children's revival. You're so good, Lord. I've asked this man to speak on intercessory prayer, knowing totally what my mother was going to do, but a man that we love, and uh, I ask him to do it, and if he says the same thing she said, that's fine. I felt led and called him. If he wants to change it, or if he has changed it, that's his business. But we've clapped for every preacher, but I don't feel a clapping mood. I feel a praying mood. Would you bring to this pulpit through your prayers? Brother Billy Cole, from a missionary for many years in Thailand, and now in Charleston, West Virginia. Welcome him with your hands raised in prayer. Would you do that? Praise God. Thank you, Brother Mangan, and praise the Lord, everyone. very awesome holy presence of God in this place I am under very deep conviction I can promise you that I do not desire to be here except for the fact that it's obviously the will of the Lord for me to be here right now in this, when I say here, I'm speaking of this pulpit. I certainly do thank God for the privilege of being in this conference and hearing what I have heard. We are in deep need of a tremendous move of God among us, touch of the Lord. These are dark days but we have a great God. I am concerned with everything that has been said already in this great conference, especially on evangelism, reaching the loss. And I thank God for our hearts being stirred. There is like a fire on the inside of us, isn't there? We are burning inside. Another great concern that I have is that God gives us authority over diseases. We've got too many of our precious people dying that are of a young age. I have contented myself for years I have contented myself for years by saying that a righteous man, that the devil cannot kill a righteous man. And that any time a righteous man or woman dies, it has to be in the will of God. I have said that 
hundreds of times. But I tell you frankly, there is a doubt in my mind. I believe that we are dealing with spirits and authority, spirits and devils, that we must conquer not only cities and areas, but we have got to take authority over these diseases as well. And I believe the Lord's going to give it to us. In fact, within the next hour, many of you are going to be instantly healed by the power of God. Not because I'm here, but because God is here. And God wants to do it. And you're going to believe that he wants to do it. And you're going to believe that he will do it. And he will do it. It will happen. Praise the Lord. How many do we have here today that wants to be included in this mass instant healing that's going to take place? I want you to stand. If you need a healing in your body, you need a miraculous healing in your body. Now, here is a testimony to what I've just said. We are filled with the Holy Ghost. We are walking with God. Hallelujah. Brother Huntley, we, many of us have even received that second deliverance. We're walking with the Lord, but we need healing in our body. Praise the Lord. I would assume that we have almost everything represented here. Do we have malignancies and cancers represented here that you need delivered from? Just raise your hand. Why don't you close your eyes while we do this? Maybe some people do not want to reveal their needs. Do we have anyone with cancer today that you need a healing in your body? Do we have those with tumors in your body that need deliverance? All right, there are hands. Is there high blood pressure here today that you need healing from? Amen. Is there sugar diabetes that you need healing from? Praise the Lord. Are there those that are in severe pain and this pain has been with you a long time? There is severe pain in your body and you need deliverance from that pain. Praise God. Hallelujah. How many of you have a deformity in the bone structure of your body and you need God to straighten you up? Oh, hallelujah. How many of you have many other things that the Lord knows all about? My time is so limited here today. All right, in faith believing, let's lift our hands and praise him right now. Lord, we praise you. We worship you. We honor you. We adore you, Lord Jesus. Blessed be thy matchless holy name. I thank you, Lord Jesus. And I praise you, almighty God. God. 
Let's just thank him for his presence. Thank you for your presence, Lord Jesus. may be seated and I want you to be in prayer for me that uh, I will be sensitive to the Holy Ghost and that at the right moment when the Lord wants to do this miracle that uh, I will be sensitive enough to the Holy Ghost to know that and make place for it hallelujah I have the deepest respect for brother Anthony Mangan and for his entire beautiful family they are some of the most outstanding people in all of the earth of all times, all the way back to the beginning of this thing. I just feel that they are anointed of God, and their wish is my command, and I feel that they are in tune with this service, and that they have sought the Lord earnestly and faithfully. They have taken this extremely serious with all of them that have prepared for this meeting, both local church people and district people uh, of the Louisiana district, and all of you that are the sponsoring pastors, you have taken all of this with extreme, careful, earnest prayer. And it's uh, very uh, uh, easy for me to respond to their request and speak on intercessory prayer or spiritual warfare however I have spoken on this across the country more than a hundred times the notes that I have here are not new uh, they're very old these notes were written in 1965 25 years ago and I won't be saying anything that I haven't already said uh, but that's all right too I uh, told my wife, I said, I have confidence in these folks. And when I got here, I had not looked at the schedule as to when I'd be preaching and who I'd be following and so forth. And when I looked at it, I called my wife and I said, my God have mercy. She said, what's the matter? I said, I am absolutely miserable. I said, if it wouldn't cause such an uproar, I'd get on the plane five minutes from now and come home. <laughs> I said, they not only want me to preach on intercessory prayer in uh, the church there in Alexandria, but they want me to do it after Brother and Sister Mangan has already spoke. <laughs> Well, <laughs> my God. <laughs> well, I'm going to do my best. I do believe I have the truth. <laughs> I've been preaching it almost all my life, all my preaching life, nearly all of it. And uh, I know, I know where my wife is right now. I didn't have to ask her to. You can count on it. 
She's in the church in Charleston, West Virginia, and she's talking to God about this service. You count on that. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm aware that I'm surrounded by friends and both on the platform and in this audience, men that are much more noble than I, but uh, they and God has chosen me for this moment, so I'm going to do my very best in Jesus' name. Praise God. The world today is in spiritual darkness. And for the most part, they are aware of it. National leaders, international leaders, they are deeply aware that there are satanic and spiritual forces that seem to control. When they would do one thing, it would seem that other things happen of its own accord, out of their hands. But yet, we, the church, know what is happening. We know what is happening. God has revealed these things to us, and we are not ignorant of them, nor are we afraid of them. Praise God. I have seen spiritual darkness in operation in my ministry of some 35 years now, doing work here at home and also overseas. I remember going, uh, brother, our brother this, this morning was talking about Hinduism. I have seen Hinduism in its very uh, strong power and in its strong sources of India. I've been to Hindu temples when they were having their Hindu conventions. Someone said to me, Brother Cole, aren't you afraid to attend something like that? Absolutely not. I'm just not afraid of it, and that's not arrogance. Because he that's within living in me is greater than he that is in the world. <clears throat> Seen it, uh, I've seen the power of the devil demonstrated to where they would go into hysterical seances and into dimensions that were unbelievable, just absolutely incredible, the physical and spiritual things that they would be able to do under satanic power. Amen. <clears throat> I remember being in North India on one occasion where there was so much starvation in those days. People were starving in such a, a, a condition that people were actually selling their children for 50 cents apiece because they could not feed them. And in the midst of that, one man had the audacity to kill two Brahmin cows for food. And the Hindu believes that the Brahmin cow is a higher form of life than the human life. And because they killed two cows with kids starving to death for food, it resulted in a riot with over 300 human beings dying. Because they were disturbed over these two cows that had been killed. On another occasion, more recently, there was a Hindu uh, uh, train conductor a whole train load of people moving as fast as that train 
could safely go and a Brahmin cow run in front of the track. That train was so powerful and so big, it could have hit that cow and maybe people would have felt maybe a little bit of a jolt and the cow would have been killed and that would have been the end of it and then it went on down the railroad track normally. But because he was a Hindu and because of his attitude towards that so-called holy cow, he pulled the brakes on that train so hard that he literally threw that train off of a bridge that was just ahead of him and 3,000 people died trying to save one single holy cow. Now, my friend, that is spiritual darkness. I was in the Philippines on one occasion when, when the, it was the Easter season and they fanatically worship their so-called Christians and they fanatically worship there was one particular man there in a very uh, medium-sized village. At a certain time, he would literally cut himself or have someone to cut him with broken glass, strip himself down to his waist and cut him. And then he would take a manila rope in his hand and literally lash himself across the back as he would walk down the road with thousands of people watching and he was headed for a place of crucifixion where he would be crucified in the likeness of the Lord. And by the time he would arrive there, his back would be nothing but a mass of mutilated flesh. And the year I was there, his blood literally drenched his trousers. He was barefooted and the blood dripped down on his feet. And when he came to the place of crucifixion, not as in times past, in times past, they would tie him to the cross and lift him up. And when his head would fall, he would be unconscious. They would take him down, take him to the hospital, and in convalescing, he would return to his health and the following year do it all over again. But the year that I was in the Philippines on this occasion, he made the remark, I want you to drive nails through my hands and through my feet just like the Lord. And so they did. And when they lifted him up on the cross and his head fell, he was not unconscious. He was dead and he went to hell. That, my friend, is spiritual darkness and satanic darkness. Going to Thailand as a Missionary, I was invited by the Presbyterian Church to come to the very northern part of Thailand. It was a long drive all the way up to uh, that part of the country. And we had to go through a very narrow mountain pass. And, uh, and, and this was a very dangerous mountain pass. Many people had died there. And because of the superstitions and the fear of the Buddhist people, they had literally covered a whole mountainside with what looked like to be the most uh, elaborate birdhouses you ever seen in your life. But they were not birdhouses. I asked Brother Jaran Ratanabutra, who was my first convert, and driving the car, I said, what is the meaning 
of this place. And he said the people are very terrified. They are very afraid. And they have built houses all over the mountain to appease and house the evil spirits that lurk in this place. And they call it the gates of hell. And while we were watching there, a whole busload of people came along. And every single person, including the bus driver, got down from that bus, knelt down in the dust of that street, and bowed three times before those idols and before those spirit houses and worshipped out of fear. And before they got on the bus and drive on, a car came along with three passengers, stopped. All three of them got out, and it did exactly the same thing. We went on to our meeting, and in that conference one day, 146 of those Presbyterians waded out into the river that divided Thailand and Burma and was baptized in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. And when I came back to that place, I said, stop the car. And so they did. And I, I got down from the car. And Brother Jaran said, what are you going to do? I said, I'll show you. And I walked over to those spirit houses and lifted my hands and I lifted my voice as loud as I could speak and I shouted and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Can you say amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. We're wanting revival, and we're pushing revival, and we ought to be pushing revival. We're pushing home missions, and we're pushing foreign missions, and I thank God for what is happening in missions. Praise the Lord. It's all in the perfect will of God. I thank the Lord for the 200 new converts we have on the foreign field every single day. I thank God for the 20 new churches that is open every single week. I thank God that we have more than tripled in the last decade from a quarter of a million to over uh, to 900,000 constituents on the foreign field. I thank God for that. I thank God for every home missionary that is reaching out. I thank God for your bus ministries and everything you've been preaching about here. But let me tell you something. We're talking about the branch of the tree. You're talking about evangelism and reaching out. You're talking about the branch of the tree. And we're going to have to do something to hold that tree from falling. And that is to strengthen and to enlarge the root and the strength and the base of that tree. Someone said the base of this church is the United States of America. Absolute hogwash. That is coming out of nationalistic minds. We are constantly talking about the foreigners being so nationalistic. Let me tell you something. There's nobody in the world that's more nationalistic than the people that's sitting right in front of me. You are the most nationalistic human beings there are in the world. 
If you're an American, you're a nationalistic. And America don't happen to be the base of revival. America don't happen to be the base of the church. Let me tell you what the root and the base is. It's the very thing that the Mangans has been talking to us about. It's what Sister Mangan was talking to us about up here. Prayer, talking to God. That's the thing that's going to hold this thing together. Praise be the name of the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands and praise him together. I worship you, Lord Jesus, and I adore you, Lord Jesus. I never shall forget when I first went to Thailand and we began to preach. I've already told you about 146 Presbyterians getting baptized in Jesus' name. But did you notice that I didn't say they got the Holy Ghost? One of the most important things we're going to have to do in this last day when we're seeking after God is to be absolutely, totally honest, no matter how much pressure is on us, to color the picture. I was preaching the other day, and I said there are those that are against the use of the gifts of the Spirit. They're against everything that's spiritual. And every time you do something spiritual, they shake us up in a bag with the charismatics and try to embarrass us and humiliate us. I'm tired of that. I'm sick and tired of that. But I'm not going to let them stop me. We have let that kind of criticism stop us in times past, but we're not going to let it stop us anymore. You fellas that want to fight, I don't think there's any of you here, but they'll listen to the tapes, see what was said. <laughs> not to gain any knowledge, but to find something wrong. Find where we got our tongue twisted or whether we made a little mistake or a little slip up. They'll be listening. Praise the Lord. But I'm, I'm announcing to them that if you want to fight, now we've, we've submitted to you before. A few years ago, revival came sweeping, and we yielded to it. But I'm telling you now, you had better get your coat off and your sleeves rolled up because you're in for one long, hard fight. We aren't going to submit to it. I don't care who you are or what kind of position you hold, even if it's your headquarters, we're going to fight this out and we're going to have revival. <laughs> Praise be the name of God. <laughs> Praise God. Yeah. I've never... I've never been to a charismatic meeting in my life one single time, and it's not no great virtue, but it is a fact. <laughs> and I've never read a charismatic book in my life. Never. Because I don't read very many books of any kind. 
And my preaching probably shows it. <laughs> but you know what? These fellows that don't want what we're here seeking for, they're going to hurt us a little bit. But you know who's going to hurt us great big? The kind men among us. The guys that want it and are willing to pretend they got it, whether they've got it or not. Now, they're the ones that's going to hurt us big time. When you say, thus saith the Lord, you be sure that the Lord is saying something. When you lay your hand upon somebody and said, God chose me, you be sure that some preacher didn't tell you in the office before you went out there. We need to quit our lying. I said we need to quit our lying. We need to quit our lying. God will give us the real thing if we'll seek for it. Don't accept the substitute. Don't accept the substitute. Amen. I've looked at your disappointed eyes when you walked up to me and said, Brother Cole, give me a word from the Lord. And I've said, I ain't got any. <laughs> and that's the answer you're going to get when I don't have one. But when I do have one, I don't care who you are. I'm going to look you straight in the eyes and give it to you. Praise be the Hallelujah. God baptizes with honesty and sincerity. If you're going to get up here and preach to me about sacrifice, do a little of it yourself. Don't tell me what your relation's doing. Tell me what you're doing. Bless God. Praise the Lord. We're living in challenging days. Oh, praise God. God's going to give us a massive move of his spirit. Hallelujah. And we're going to have to take authority over demons, powers, and spirits. But we're also going to have to be honest before God. I keep telling the church I pastor, we're practicing. We're practicing. That means you'll make mistakes. That means you'll make mistakes. You know the reason why preachers and saints of God bluff it when they make a mistake? 
because you'll tear them to smithereens if they do and you find out they made a mistake you'll tear them to shreds they don't have a dead man's chance from that moment on it'll be the gossip of the UPC from California to New York City every camp meeting you've got will be canceled if we're going to have apostolic power and apostolic anointing we're going to have to make room for a few mistakes and we're going to have to be big enough to say hey I made a mistake please forgive me we'll do better the next time we'll get it right the next time we'll get it right the next time praise God <laughs> hallelujah Woo! glory to God hallelujah the time has come for that healing let me minister to someone to let you know that I know what I'm talking about sister you're right here in the front do you need something from God come up here what do you need from the Lord I have a small blockage heart blockage I'm taking heart medication I also have thyroid condition I'm on thyroid medication and every time I raise my hands to worship the Lord, I have terrible pain in my back. And I've been overcoming it in the Lord's name, but it still keeps trying to come. How long have you had this pain? Oh, several months. Several months. Yes. And if you raise your arms, you have pain. All right. And pain in your back. All right. We'll take care of that first. All right. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the authority of your word, and the power of the name of Jesus, I command this pain to go now, never to return. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Praise him, sister. Go ahead and praise him. Praise God. Hey, all right. Let me talk to you just a minute. Wave those arms around. You feel any pain? None at all? All right, we'll take care of the rest of it. Father, I speak healing into her body. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Praise be the name of the Lord. Praise God. Let me tell you something, folks. You'll notice I didn't pray for her healing. I spoke to her situation. We need to understand that there is a difference between the power of God and just emotion. Can you say amen? amen? And the power of the spoken word. One of the most important reasons that we pray is because of the power of the spoken word. You can speak things into existence. I didn't say God heal her. I spoke to her situation and commanded it to be healed. 
Brother Cole, that sounds arrogant to me. Oh, no, it's not. It's a revelation of the truth. And you have the same thing I got. You have the Holy Ghost. You have the anointing of the Holy Ghost in you. Hallelujah. And you can speak to every situation. You can take authority over every situation. We've got some young men that's coming up that has recognized this, that is being mightily used of God. Turn them loose in the name of God. Turn them loose. Let them do the good work of God. It's not only in them, it's in you. It's in every one of you today. I want you to turn to someone and don't lay your hand on them like you think they've got leprosy. Hey, come here, sister. Come here again, sister. Praise the Lord. Come back up here. Come back up here. Hallelujah. You feeling all right? <laughs> Praise God. When you pray for someone, one of the greatest tricks of the devils is to get you to close your eyes. That's not in the book. That's all that custom stuff. We got so much of it. Open your eyes. Look at them. The devil hates it. Oh, the devil hates it when you look straight. Hallelujah. Look straight and commend it in the name of Jesus Christ. Lay your hand upon someone now and ask them what their condition is. Ask them what their condition is and then commend it. Command that situation right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn to them. Don't just do what you've been doing for 50 years. Do what I told you to do. Command it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do it, Lord Jesus. Do it, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Believe God. Believe the Lord right now. Ah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. <laughs> hallelujah. Do it. The Lord is upon thee. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Glory. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, ha -ha, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
Praise be the name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let me have your attention just a moment. How many of you feel, maybe there's not absolute evidence. You know, some of these conditions in our bodies takes a little time to tell whether you've been healed or not. Or you may even need to see a doctor and take a few tests to see whether you've been healed or not. I remember Brother Morton Bustard. Where you at, Brother Morton Bustard? He's here somewhere. I feel his spirit. <laughs> I don't see him, but I know he's here. All right. He visited me, and when he came, I uh, had just been told by the doctors that I had a tumor in my body. They've confirmed that. The Lord revealed it to me. Praise the Lord. I did not ask you to come up here, son. You're missing my message entirely. I didn't ask you to come up here to me. The whole point is that I'm not necessary. That's where we're failing. We get a few superstars among us, and the only person we think we can pray for us is the superstar. That's a reason we're missing it. We're missing it. We're missing it. We're missing it. And that's my message today. I don't want none of you coming up here to me except this one sister to demonstrate what God would do in this place. Don't want nobody else coming to me. Praise the Lord. God's not through healing yet. The Lord's not through performing this miracle yet. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I was sitting on my couch one day. Just be seated just a moment. The, I was sitting on my couch one day, and the Lord revealed to me that there was a tumor in my body and where it was at. So I went to my family doctor. Brother Cole, you got a family doctor? Sure, I got one. Because I got a little bit of sense. You don't have to preach against doctors to believe in healing. You don't have to get up and ridicule them when you testify either. They have their part in the kingdom, same as the preacher does, and the people of God. I can't believe I'm doing this in front of you, Brother Tom Barnes. My God, have mercy. <laughs> he said it was the Lord, so I'm going to go ahead. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Don't you love that good man of God? He's been so humble among us. Give him a hand. Give Tom Barnes a hand. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I went to my doctor and I said, I got a tumor. He said, how you know? I said, you wouldn't believe it if I told you. Just check me and see. He said, well, where do you think it is? I told him, right, where it was at. He checked me and he said, sure enough, it's there. So they sent me to a specialist and he confirmed that it was there. And he wanted to take a biopsy of it, you know. And that was all right, too. You know, it's good for you to know what you're praying about. Your prayers are a lot more effective when you know what you're praying about and, and you speak to these situations, control them. There's power 
in the spoken word. Jesus said, say to the mountain. Say to the mountain or speak to the mountain. And so, so I went to the, had to go to the hospital in order to get a biopsy. And they're going to put me under general anesthesia and uh, called in an anesthesiologist, so forth. And I told him, I said, now this could be a problem because of my neck structure. You may have trouble, so you be cautious, you be alert. And he put me unconscious. And what was supposed to be a 15-minute test turned out to be a four-hour struggle for my life. They couldn't get any oxygen in me. They couldn't get any tubes down my throat. They couldn't get any of uh, the respirator. Couldn't get those tubes down my throat. And when I came to, four hours later, I knew they had had a lot of trouble. <laughs> and they had got my lungs full of blood got my lungs full of blood and I come might near drowning on my own blood that's right and the next day the anesthesiologist came in and he said I sure am glad to see you I said you guys shipped me off to heaven and they stamped me rejected up there and sent me back. <laughs> he said, Reverend, we sent you many times. We sent you many times. My wife was sitting out in the waiting room expecting a 15-minute test. And after two hours, they came out and said, Mrs. Cole, we're doing everything we can, but we're losing your husband. He's gone. We're trying to get him back. We're trying to get him back. Well, after a couple of days, that blood cleared up out of my lungs. And I went home just a little bit shaky, but I was all right. <laughs> and later, they wanted to do that test again. I said, nothing doing. <laughs> but I tell you what I will do. I'll let you check to see if it's still there. He said, that's crazy. I said, no, it's not. We just had revival meeting. Evangelist prayed for me, told me I was healed. Now listen, folks, when you tell people they're healed, they better be healed. Or the pastor's going to have an awful lot of trouble after you leave. We have to live with these people. I tell you, we have to live with these people. <laughs> I believe in that. I told you people was going to be healed here today. And I'll stand on what I said because God inspired me to say it. Did God inspire me, Brother Barnes? God inspired me to tell you that there was going to be many here healed today. I'll stand on that. But when you tell people they're healed, and then you bury them three days later, the pastor has to bury them three days later, he has to answer an awful lot of questions. Now, folks, we're going to have to be we're going to have to, in our search for the gifts and the powers of God, we're going to have to maintain the right kind of an attitude and mind toward the Lord and not get drunk on this. Not just get completely drunk and carried away and get way out in left field somewhere. Is that all right? 
Well, he wanted, to, he wanted to take another biopsy. I said, no, 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 my dear friend. You're never going to do that. Never again you're not going to do that. Never. You've had your one last chance. <laughs> but I will let you check to see if it's there. And they did. Because the evangelist had told me it was gone. And I didn't just take it for granted it was gone. I went to verify it. If you've got sugar and you believe you're healed today, go get a sugar test. If you've been healed, that sugar test will prove it. Don't be an idiot. Don't be idiots. God. Brother Connors, is he still here? Yeah, stand up, Brother Connors. I preached their camp meeting last year. Boy, he's apostolic too. Bless the Lord. And boy, they was ready. I mean, they was ready for anything. We called Miracle Night one night. And one sister, pastor's wife, if you please, came to that service. And the doctors had just told her she was extremely critical with sugar. Put her on a diet and all those good things. And by the way, have you noticed I've lost weight? Give me a big hand. I'm getting so good looking. <laughs> I've lost 150 pounds. That's one whole person. <laughs> she believed that night for the Hodges that she was healed and got up and told the whole church. She said, when I came, I was just so weak that I just couldn't hardly walk. And, and when you all prayed for me tonight, why, I just feel so strong. I feel new strength. I feel like I'm healed. You know what my response was? I believe that you're healed too. And I did. But I said, as soon as you get home from this camp meeting, you go get you a sugar test. And if, in fact, you are healed, the sugar test will prove it, verify it, and confirm it. In our effort, in our zeal, we can bring humiliation and reproach on the whole church and bring the whole thing to a halt. And the devil is out there waiting for it. And his whole power is the power of deceit. That's his power. Amen. And uh, she got home. She, they had a little business that they worked out of their home. I think he tuned pianos maybe, Brother Connors. And he had a, a recorder. You know, when you call and it answers, we're not at home. And, and uh, it was legitimate. A lot, of, a lot of you fellas, I call you. And it says, I'm not, I called Brother Libby one day. And give me this big business about not being available right now. I said, Libby, I feel the spirit of lying. Pick up that phone. <laughs> he grabbed the phone up. <laughs> he was listening all the time. <laughs> but hers... Hers was legitimate. 
And when she got home and listened to the messages, there was three messages on there from the nurse. Come immediately. Your blood sugar test has come back, and, and et cetera, et cetera. I don't understand all the ins and outs of it. But anyhow, it was urgent that she get to the doctor's office. And the fourth message was from the doctor. A later day. She'd been gone a whole week, you see, for the camp. And it was a later day. And the message was urgent. Where are you at? Get to the office immediately. And when she got over there, they tested her. And she was perfectly normal. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Is that right, Brother Connors? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now, folks, we need to seek the gifts of the Spirit, and we need to take control over spirits and demons and devils, and you don't have to be afraid of the devil. And I'm not astounded by all these things that Brother Tuminella told me this morning. They're astounding. But that's all a fulfillment of Scripture. The Antichrist is on his way. And he will come. There's nothing we can do to keep him from coming. But we don't have to be afraid of him in the meantime. God made a provision for all the world to get saved. But when he did it, he knew the whole world would not get saved. He knew that you would. And a few others. And we're all on schedule. God is not skipping gears or, or scraping gears or whatever. And his engine's not in neutral. Everything's okay. And you don't have to be afraid of the devil. We have authority over him. We have power over him. But you have to take that authority. And when you do, God is going to use the gifts of the Spirit in you and in your church. But when you pastors... Start getting the gifts of the Spirit, and you start telling the whole church the revelations you've got. Don't expect your church to get big. You're going to have to use a little bit of wisdom. It's all right for the evangelists to do it, but when the pastor does it, you're going to have plenty of trouble. People's going to feel like you've broke their confidence. You'll feel like you broke their confidence. And people's not going to let nobody pastor them that they don't think they have a single secret from. They'll move across town to some little one-horse church that the pastor says, Hallelujah and Amen, Glory to God, Praise the Lord, every other word. Because he can't read them. And he don't want nobody reading them. They don't leave you because you're not apostolic. Sometimes they leave you because you are. Just mark it down when you're living right and doing right and being anointed of God. Some of the people's going to surprise you and walk away. And the problem is not in you. The problem is in them and they don't want you to find it out. And they know if they hang around another week or more, you'll know too. Praise God. 
I never forget when a deacon didn't show up for Sunday morning. That wasn't unusual because sometimes his work uh, kept him from church. But I felt alarmed. I felt very alarmed. So I called him, and he read me the riot act. And I broke down on the phone, Brother Urshan, and just sobbed. He broke my heart. He broke my heart. I said, Brother, you're a deacon. You have stood at my front door. And for years, every time I have walked through the door, you have put your arms around me and kissed me on the cheek and said, how's my good pastor? What in the name of God is the matter with you? Announced to me he wasn't coming back no more. I was broken in spirit. And Brother S.W. Chambers was with me. And I tried to pray over the food. And I fell on the table, sobbing. Like my heart would break because I didn't understand it. Brother Chambers came over to me and he laid his hand on me and said, Billy, the problem is not in you. The problem's in him. Well, that comforted me and that helped me, you know. And six months later, he came back and repented. He said, Brother Cole, I have fallen into adultery. And then I knew if I hung around here just one more week, you would know it. And I'm sorry to disappoint you. Praise the Lord. Well, this is kind of a shotgun message. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. I want to see the moving power of the Lord. But we're going to get revival in the same way that the old timers got it years ago. And that's through intercessory prayer. And believe me, it's a whole lot easier to pray intercessorily when you don't have one meal ahead of another one. And you have to pray for what you eat. You have to pray for what you wear. And you have to pray for a place to sleep. It's a whole lot easier to pray intercessorily in those kind of circumstances. One of the reasons we have such great revivals in foreign countries, in so-called third world countries, is because of their desperate need. And they are so poor. They pray for what they eat. I mean, they really pray that they'll be able to catch a fish and give it to their family that day. They may fish all day long for one fish just to give to their family a fish. It's easy to pray under those circumstances. And we don't have those circumstances here. We're living in the Holiday Inn and the Hilton. We're driving fine cars. We're wearing fancy suits. 
We don't have to pray for a lot of things. And we get the idea that we can accomplish the will of God with the excess of our affluence. And it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Only intercessory prayer will work. One of the greatest advantages to my ministry, and I have seen a lot of people get the Holy Ghost. I have seen thousands receive the Holy Ghost in the meetings that I have preached in. That's not a boast. God has done the work. But one of the greatest advantages of my ministry was my wife's prayer life. Daily. I didn't know as much about it as I should have known. I could have protected her a little bit more. Because we have to govern these gifts that God gives to us. I'm called to preach, but I have to govern that. I, my, my body, I'm 55 years old now. And uh, my body just isn't as strong as it used to be. Brother Mangan's the only one in the world that's like that. <laughs> He's fudging a little bit, too. <laughs> Amen. And I just can't stand what I used to stand. I used to go. Uh, I used to go on the mission field. I'd get up at 5 a.m. in the morning, every morning, and start prayer. And then we'd have our first service. It'd last three or four hours. And then we'd get in an old jalopy car of some kind and bounce all over kind of roads and and eat the food on the way there and have to swallow it three times because it was so rotten and because the roads were so rough and we'd have service in the afternoon and then do the same thing over and go to another church at night and then sleep on their platform and sleep on their benches. I've done it many times. I can't do that anymore. I'm not physically able to do that anymore. I did last year travel Besides pastoring, I traveled over 200,000 miles, and I preached 253 times last year. And this conference has made me feel so guilty. I just feel under conviction because I'm so lazy. But on the other hand, let's turn the coin over, and you have to govern these gifts a little bit because dead men don't preach. If I drop dead in that Chicago airport walking from it, one end to the other, I'm, my preaching days are over. <laughs> Takes about a mile and a half in Chicago from one plane to the other. Amen. But one of the greatest strengths of my ministry was my wife's intercession. And we did not know how to govern that gift and anointing that was in her. She would pray for hours in the spirit. And it was always she would weep for that that was not accomplished. She had a little trouble rejoicing in what was accomplished. I remember one service in Indonesia. We preached and 75 people got the Holy Ghost in that one single service. 75 people. One service. But there was 125 seekers and when my wife went home back to our little place pitiful little place to sleep I mean it was pitiful 
she prayed the whole night long for the 50 that didn't get it. I remember when we were going there, we was in a hotel in Singapore, and she had laid on the floor of that hotel for four hours in the spirit, making intercession. Because we had learned that we had to conquer princes and devils. The scriptures teaches us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. That's an old English word for a parish or a county. Government. Principalities. Powers. The word powers is an old English word for national authority. In England, they don't say the Queen of England. They say the powers that be. And they speak of national authority. It says principalities, powers, world, darkness of this world. You have county, nation, and world. And then wickedness in high places. It would seem that satanic powers follow physical, known, political boundaries. And we have learned through experience and through the Word of God that when you cross a political boundary, you have to reconquer the local spiritual system that is there. You have to take control of it. Amen. And until you do, you can pass out thousands of tracts. And maybe one or two will get saved, maybe they won't. But when you conquer the prince, when you conquer the prince, when you take authority, over the prince of that area. And I don't have time to explain to you why I say that. It happened to me many years ago in Thailand. And the Lord told me, he said, I give you power over the prince of the nation of Thailand. I had no concept of what that meant whatsoever. But immediately we had great revival. And revival swept through that land. And up until that time, hardly anyone had got the Holy Ghost. Amen. And so we were moving from one nation to another, and we were in Singapore in a hotel making that preparation. And she had been on the floor in intercession for four hours. And I remember that I shook her. And I had enough understanding then to know that this was somehow affecting her body. The Apostle Paul said, death, death worketh in it us that you might have life and when you're making intercession sister Mangan death is working in your body your body is dying that's the reason why it's so important to be able to relate to the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is our strength it's important for an intercessor to be able to relate to shouting and praising the Lord that you can preserve your health because when you're worshiping and praising and dancing, your body is being healed. But when you're in intercession, your body is dying. And I shook her and stopped her. And I said, Shirley, you've got to stop. You're going to destroy your health. And I'll never forget it. As long as I lay off, she looked up to me and said, Billy, my chest is so full of pain that I cannot get up. And I picked her up and laid her on the bed and she continued her prayer until she felt relief and fell off to sleep 
the missionaries in Indonesia in those days had had 35 people get the Holy Ghost in two years time and in the next 21 days we've seen 657 people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost now, I'm not bragging on myself I want to make a point and while we were there suddenly something snapped within Shirley's body and every time her head would move, she would, she would go unconscious. And uh, I put my ear as close to her mouth as I could so I could hear what she's saying. And she said, Billy, don't blame yourself, for we have done the will of God. But I am dying. I am dying. And that's when I seen a vision of the, of the saints here at home praying for us and I knew that she would live I asked the Lord I said Lord don't take my beloved wife from me I adore her don't take her away from me and somehow the Lord gave me the confidence that she would live but she was very sick I set her in a Jeep four-wheel drive Jeep we had to travel for four hours and I sat behind her and held her head in my hands because every time her head would move, she would go unconscious. And I got her to the city, and we put her on a train to Jakarta, and they had no Pullman. They had no beds. But they allowed me to put a blanket down on the floor between the seats. And I laid her on the floor between the seats. And then I flew her 2,000 miles to a seven-day Adventist hospital. They thought she had had a cerebral hemorrhage. And they examined her very carefully. And uh, finally, they came to me and said, What in the name of God have you people been doing? I said, Why? They said, your wife's blood and water has separated. And the blood is coming through the pores of the skin. And your wife is dying of a broken heart. There has been some among us. But there were so few that those that would pray have had to carry such massive loads that their health is broken and snapped. The scripture says that even the earth groaneth. You know why? Because we're not groaning. So that's the reason we're having the earthquakes and the hurricanes and the storms is because we're not groaning. So the earth has to groan. Amen. And there's young people here today. My wife will pray today. And her health has recovered. It has taken her many years to recover her health. And she will pray. But she cannot pray like she used to pray. Because her body will not tolerate it. But there's young men here today. And there's young women here. Your bodies are strong. 
Shirley needs somebody to take her place. Sister Mangan needs someone to help her and take her place. And some of these other folks. And God is speaking to our hearts here today. God help the pastor that doesn't have somebody to intercede for him. God have mercy on you. That's all I know. Just God have mercy upon you if somebody doesn't care enough to pray intercessorily. Someone needs to be praying intercessorily for our general superintendent every single day. Somebody here in this audience is willing to do it. I want you to stand. Now, listen to what I'm asking you to do. I want you to intercessorily pray consistently for our general superintendent. I want you to stand if you're willing to do that. Someone here, God bless you, one of our missionaries. Somebody needs to be praying for this man. He carries a tremendous load in this movement. His shoulders are not a little stooped accidentally, nor is this hair gray prematurely without cause. Somebody needs to be bearing this man up in intercession besides his family. Is someone here willing to stand and commit yourself? There you are. God bless you. Don't forget now, every day, Brother Tenney, and every pastor in this place, every pastor in this place needs somebody making intercession for them. We've got enough critics. We've got enough people finding fault with every little thing we do. Every time the evangelist comes along, there's enough people to find fault with the little mistakes they might make. Just find fault with them and criticize them to the high heavens. Every breath they breathe. We got enough of that. But let me tell you, if we could get more of you making intercession for these preachers, you're going to hear better preaching. You're going to see better demonstration of the power of God. You're going to see greater revival and greater services. Now then, I know it's 3 o'clock already. But uh, it's not time for us to go yet. Is that all right? Now the Lord wants you to do something. We had a little prayer here a while ago. I want you to pray an intercessory prayer. And half of you, and I'm not saying this critically, but you have said to me in the spirit, Brother Cole, I want to pray an intercessory prayer, but I don't know how to do it. I'm going to help you do it. I'm going to help you do it. Praise the Lord. I'm going to help you do it. You start with worship. Anytime you come into the presence of the Lord, you always come into his presence with worship and praise. Come into his worship with worship and praise and adoring the Lord. Praise God. And then move into the dimension of tongues. Just start speaking with tongues. Now, you must understand that there are many dimensions of speaking with tongues. 
That's what happens a lot of times in services when someone speaks out and you think, oh, they give a message and there is no interpretation. What happens a lot of times is people get inspired because of what the preacher has said or because of the song. And so they speak out. That's a tongue of inspiration. And when that happens, if you recognize it, just simply say, this person was inspired and in praising the Lord. Let's all praise the Lord and go ahead and have church. You don't have to fall apart when something like that happens. There's a tongue of a message. There's a tongue when there's a message. And it has a distinct different sound. It's just like uh, when a baby cries. You can't fool its mother. When that mother hears that baby cry, she can almost tell you exactly what has happened to that child. She can tell you if that child's hurt. She can tell you if that child is sick. She can tell you if that child is just having a temper tantrum and spoiled and wanting attention. And she just knows it's all crying. But to the mother that has a sensitive, trained ear that cry, there are different cries. And so there are different tongues. And so when you start speaking with tongues, that is not intercession. In fact, you can intercede in your own language. Even in English, you can intercede. The problem is, when you speak in your own language, you're praying about your burden. And when you pray in the Spirit, in other tongues, you're praying about His burden. And they may not be the same burden. They may not be the same burden. And so you have to let the tongues move deep into your spirit. Praise God. And it will move down. And then it must be associated with a tremendous compassion and burden for something. And when that burden merges with the tongues, it will go very deep into your spirit. And it will be like the travail of a woman with a child, it will actually, you will actually feel it in your body. There will be a contraction in your spirit that will have a physical effect on you. And when you do that, you are dealing with something that the Lord has commissioned you to do. And it's amazing what we can do in the spirit. I remember one time I was in near Washington, D.C., and I got a phone call from one of the members of my church, a sister. And she said, Brother Cole, my husband, and she called him by name. She said, my husband has been in intercession all day and through the night. And he has become very sick. And he has diarrhea severely. And he is vomiting. But he can't quit praying. I said to her, I don't know what he's got a hold of, but you can be sure that he's not praying about somebody's headache. This is a serious situation, and I will help him. I don't want to sound mystic to you, but you can join someone in prayer. I was hundreds of miles away, but I said, I will join him in prayer and help him with this situation, and I did. And a couple of hours later, I got the phone call. The burden has lifted. What did that man accomplish that day? I don't know. And neither do you. 
and neither does he. But he's insignificant. If I would call his name today, nobody here but three or four would know him. As far as you're concerned, he's a nobody. But I wonder what the Lord's going to tell him when he gets to heaven. I wonder what he has accomplished. I wonder what nation he has saved. <laughs> tremendous tool, tremendous tool that God has put into our hands. Praise the Lord. I want you to remain seated right where you're at. You keep telling us to get down on our knees. And when we do, all we can think about is our knees that are hurting. That's not scripture. Sit and pray. Hallelujah. You can sit right where you're at. And let's talk to God. Will you do it? And I'm going to come and help you. You intercessors. This church is full of them. You preachers that feel anointed of the Lord. I want you to move among the congregation and lay your hands upon people as the Spirit of the Lord begins to move upon them. And we're going to help you to reach a depth of intercession. Let's reach it. Let's pray. Right now, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, speak to us just now, Lord. Touch our spirits. Our bodies are tired. We have sat here for six hours, Lord, but give us just a little taste. Give us a little taste. Give us just a little taste of the depth of intercession before we go today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's it. Uh, now, move into the dimension of speaking with tongues. Begin speaking with tongues. And let it associate. Let it merge with a burden. Many of you are already to that depth of intercession. There are hundreds. There are literally hundreds of you that have already reached the depth of intercession already. Praise be the name of the Lord. Now, as that moves deep into your spirit, let the burden, let the tongues move very deep into your body and into your spirit. Literally hundreds, hundreds have reached the depth of intercession already. Tune yourself in. Make yourself available. Say, Lord, I want to practice what they're talking about. I want to experience that. Praise be the name. You brethren, please take your liberty. Brethren, take your liberty. You women, take your liberty and go and minister to some of these. You that are experienced intercessors, move about. Lay your hands upon someone. 
Lay your hands upon them and minister to them and help them to reach a depth of intercession right now. Praise be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. That's it. Just lay your hands upon someone right now as you feel led of the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. 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 Amen. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's it. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. fail to get up and minister to someone if you feel impressed of the Holy Ghost to do something. Just get up and move and lay your hand upon them and help them to reach a depth of intercession. Help them to reach a depth of intercession. Someone that's faith is inspired. Come and lay your hand upon this young man here. Lay your hand upon him and pray the prayer of faith. Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Praise be the name of the Lord. Praise be the name of the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise. 